Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through Deuteronomy in chapter 29, verse 1. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites while they were in the land of Moab, in addition to the covenant he had made with them at Mount Sinai. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, You have seen with your own eyes everything that the Lord did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his whole country, all the great tests of strength and miraculous signs and the amazing wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you the minds that understand, nor eyes that see, nor ears that hear. For 40 years, I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other alcoholic drink, but he provided for you so that you would know that he is the Lord your God. When he came here, King, when we came here, sorry, when we came here, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it to the tribes of Reuben and Gad and to half the tribe of Manasseh as their grant of land. Therefore, obey the terms of this covenant so that you will prosper in everything that you do. All of you tribal leaders, elders, officers, all the men of Israel are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God. Your little ones and your wives are with you, as well as the foreigners living among you, who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here today to enter into the covenant of the Lord your God. The Lord is making this covenant, including the curses. By entering into this covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God, just as he promised you, and as he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in the midst of doing daily life, basic daily life, chopping wood, carrying water, God is about to, to enter them into the covenant land, into this covenant relationship. And they have a choice that has been very clearly laid out. They're being established as God's people, and it's up to them to keep up their end of the bargain. In verse 14, But you are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant with its curses. I am making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord our God and also to the future generations who are not standing here today. You remember how we lived in the land of Egypt and how we traveled through the lands of enemy nations as we left. You have seen their detestable practices and their idols made of wood, stone, silver, and gold. I am making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe, will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations, and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Those who hear the warnings of this curse should not congregate themselves thinking, I am safe, even though I follow the desires of my own stubborn, ignorant heart. This would lead to utter ruin. The Lord will never pardon such people. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. All the curses written in the book will come down on them, and the Lord will erase their names from under heaven. So he's saying, don't think just because you're part of this covenant nation, because you're part of this great nation, this called nation, this set-apart nation, because they're part of God's people, that they can just do whatever they want and have their own way and, and follow false gods and follow their fleshly desires instead of obeying God's commands. Because if they do, they're going to be they're going to be separated from God's people. They're going to be erased 
from under heaven. They're not going to be part of God's people if they don't choose God. In verse 21, the Lord will separate them from all the tribes of Israel to pour out on them all the curses of the covenant recorded in this book of instruction. Then the generations to come, both your own descendants and the foreigners who come from distant lands, will see the devastation of the land and the diseases the Lord inflicts on it. They will exclaim, the whole land is devastated by sulfur and salt. It is a wasteland with nothing planted and nothing growing, not even a blade of grass. It is like the cities of Saddam and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboidim, which the Lord destroyed in his intense anger. And all the surrounding nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why was he so angry? And this is actually a prediction of what's to come. In verse, because they, they, they do turn away from God, they do choose sin. In verse 25, and the answer will be, this happened because the people of the land abandoned the covenant that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Instead, they turned away to serve and worshiped gods they had not known before, gods that were not from the Lord. This is why the Lord's anger has burned against this land, bringing down on it every curse recorded in this book. In great anger and fury, the Lord uprooted his people from their land and banished them to another land where they still live today. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we, we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. And the fact of the matter is, our hearts are sinful. Our nature is sinful. And without God, we can't keep the law. The only way we can keep the law of God and to keep in God's good grace and mercy is through Jesus, is by trusting in Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the one who fulfilled every single piece of the law. In chapter 30, verse 1, in the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, take to heart all these instructions. So this is the prediction that they, they're going to fail, and this is what he's telling them that they need to follow when, when they do fall from God's grace. Verse 2, if at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey all your, with all your heart, in all your soul, all the commands that I have given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. And here we see that God will take you back. No matter what we do, if we think we've gone too far or we've fallen too far away, God will always take you back. God wants you close to him. He wants your heart to beat in rhythm with his. He wants relationship with every single one of his children. It's never too late. You can never done, have done too much, and he will always, always take you back. We have never-ending resets. In verse 4, Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. The Lord your God will return you to the land that belongs to your ancestors, and you will possess that land again. Then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart in the hearts of your descendants, so that you will love him with all your heart and soul, and so you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate and persecute you. Then you will again obey the Lord and keep all his commands that I am giving you today. 
The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock, and he will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep his commands and decrees written in this book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, this command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. So whatever you want to say to come back to God, he will take it. He will take back. He will, whatever words come to your mouth and on your lips are there. And he is so close. He is ready to hear them and receive you. In verse 15. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. God won't force you. He is a gentle God and he allows us to make a choice and we get to choose. We can choose life. We can choose God's path. In verse 19, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, and now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is asking them, to make a choice and to choose him, to choose God. And their hearts need to be changed, just like ours do. Our hearts need to be changed. And it all started in Genesis 3 when we took it onto ourselves to know good versus evil. And now we have to choose. We can choose God or we can choose evil. And the choice is ours to make. He's a gentle God and he won't force himself onto us. He never would and he never will. But we have to choose. We have to choose God. And we can make the choice by loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, obeying Him, and committing ourselves firmly to Him. Like it says in the passage, this is the key to our lives. And that is still the key today, to choose Jesus, to accept Him as our Savior, to accept the gift of salvation that He gave for us when He chose to die on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to bear that punishment. So that concludes chapter 30 in the book of Deuteronomy. We'll continue on the journey tomorrow. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.